The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. First guest this morning is a Washford-born actor who has a very nice CV, if actors have CV, that is. We're talking everything from the musical Aikino, the movie Atonement, to Derry Girls and Bridgerton, and even, I always like to get this one in, Jamie, I'm sorry, Pudsey the Movie. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, Orla. How are you doing? All well, right? now they only mentioned Pudsey the movie on our Pudsey himself on Britain's Got Talent a few weeks ago, and straight away I talk, thought of you, Jamie. So I think you'll ever be associated with Pudsey when it comes to me. How are you? Oh. Funny. Good, thanks. Yeah, yeah. A, a bit shook now after you mentioned him, Pudsey. There was something to bring up from me. Poor Pudsey. For me, me dim and distant past. I know, you know RIP yeah. to Pudsey, eh? Oh, well, I, I, I got a phone call when, when the poor dog died from a friend uh, who said, oh my God, have you heard someone you worked with just passed away? I said, oh my God, who? And he said, oh, Pudsey. And I go, go, get away from me. <laughs> Why do you leave me alone? <laughs> and you must have been a little bit upset. I'm sure he was a lovely dog. Do you know what? We weren't able to go near him on right. set. That was the thing. Oh no, there was, there was a, there, absolutely. So he could have been lovely. He could have been, I, I, I don't know, a troublesome actor. I really don't know, you know. <laughs> Listen, before we talk about why you're returning to Waterford to sing songs from auditions that you didn't get, um, can we just talk about that final episode and even the, thro- the, the flashback episode from Derry Girls. It was lovely to see you back in Derry Girls. I'd say you had some crack on that set. Oh, it was brilliant. I mean, oh my God. Um, it, it, it's it's one of the best and one of the hardest sets to be on because it's really hard not to go, like not to corpse, as we say, <laughs> just to start laughing. I mean, you know, <laughs> my first day filming on series three was actually me, the last scene, you know, chronologically oh, okay. where, um, you know, uh, something happens. I won't give spoilers mm. in case anyone's mm. not seen it, but it's a lovely scene in the sixth episode of, of season three. And that was my first day filming. And, and Grandpa Joe was sitting there with, 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 with a Frankenstein mask on and going, how am I going to get through this at all? Uh, all but to do. But what 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 a privilege to oh. kind of be part of something like that, oh, you know, really. Like, it really it's, is iconic and it's only just over and I would call it an iconic series. It was phenomenal. Oh God, and yeah. I think Lisa McGee just grabbed a hold of something when it came to Irish people too. Even when she said when she was growing up, she never saw movies about Northern Ireland where people weren't funny and Northern Irish people are just really funny like that. You know, she really... She's from there, so she gets it, doesn't she? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it's it's a thing where you kind of go, like, she's just talking about reality, mm. about, like, people did get on with their lives, even though all this was happening around them. And, you know, uh, Northern Irish people, we as Irish people on the island, because the lovely thing about Derry Girls as well was always that, you know, there was a mix of, of, of Northern and Southern people, because mm-hmm. there was, you know, Southern people living in the North as well, and still do, and, and all the rest. So my own accent, I was using my own accent, and mm. she asked for that. Uh, originally, I was supposed to be doing, uh, I thought, in my head I'd be doing a Derry accent for Kieran and uh, you know the night before we were filming she said to me oh Jamie um, you're going to do it in your own accent by the way <laughs> so went, oh my god Lisa yeah, absolutely. I'm after learning all my lines in a dairy <laughs> accent, you know. I had to go back and I had to go back and relearn the whole thing. But uh, I know, I mean, it was like, what a treat and kind of, I owe her a lot, I'll be honest with you, Lisa. I, I was in her first sitcom, uh, London Irish oh, on yes. Channel 4. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what led to me kind of going get, get, going back and working with her on Dairy Girls. And she kind of very specifically said, Kieran, I'd love you to play Kieran. And, you know, there's a possibility of him coming back. And I came back for a tiny bit in season two. And in season three, those two episodes, oh, oh my God, when I got the scripts, I just went, oh, what a joy, you know, know, absolutely. And the two great ones to be in as well. Oh, it was fab. Yeah, 
they're, they're class episodes, yeah. They really are. Now let's talk about you coming home to Waterford in the South East to sing songs from auditions that you didn't get and a very special reason for you doing this on the Theatre Royal stage as well. It's called Songs and Stories from Ballybricken to Bridgerton. Um, tell us a little bit about this. You know, it's 30 years since you first stepped on stage on the Theatre Royal uh, uh, stage. What did you step on the stage for then 30 years ago? Oh, 30 years ago. There he goes. Frightening to say it, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, October 1992 was my first time I ever went well, that on stage. That doesn't feel like 30 uh, years in, ago now. That's mental, isn't it, when mm. you think about it? But it's, uh, yeah, I was in uh, the chorus of Chicago, oh, uh, the musical uh, with, with Stage Fright, um, uh, directed by the late great uh, Brian Flynn. And it was, uh, uh, to be honest, like I, I was quite a shy kind of guy. I was a shy teenager, certainly. I was only 15 when, when I went into it. And I I, I went in because my friend Raymond Collins was going into mm. it. And I, I just kind of, I, I needed to get out of myself a bit, you know. And a big thing was that myself and Ray wanted to get girlfriends. So, um, <laughs> You know, it was girls in That's these, where you need to go was, to a musical. There you go. You know <laughs> what I mean? That's so grand. And and the Delsac College show was coming up and, you know, we were hoping to kind of do well in that uh, part wise. And so, yeah, I went into it and, and uh, that's when the bug kind of bit me really, really badly. And as you can see, look at the rest of my life, you know, the rest is history. Wow. But um, yeah, so so I'm, I'm currently the artistic mm. uh, uh, resident, I'm an artist in residence. Uh, at the Theatre Royal uh, in Waterford, which is which is an amazing honour, uh, even in itself. And they were talking about me doing something there, and I kind of went, okay. And I like to challenge myself, so I thought, what's the most frightening thing I can do at all? And it's kind of me standing up on that stage, telling stories and singing songs, um, just, you know, on my own with a piano player. And that's it, you know, it's kind of that cabaret-style evening. And is I, I, I Kino the last time you did something like that, that you did musicals, or have you been doing them all Oh, along? God, yeah, the last time we did okay. a musical was Aikino. Yeah, yeah, yeah 2008. So, you know, that's yeah, it's 15 years ago. Okay. But no, I do sing. I mean, I, I mm. still sing, in fairness. I kind of, I, 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 like, there's been plays I've been in where I've sang in it. I did a TV show um, for America uh, a few years ago, and I was singing in that as well. So I, I, I do still sing. It's just, you know, the way my career has gone has just gone a bit differently. I went, mm. to, I went away to London, you know, with the the hope of fame and fortune and big West End musicals like Les Mis and stuff. And this is stuff I'll talk about on the night, uh, you know, at the gig. Um, I'll tell stories about how I didn't get into Les Mis, you know, and uh, and, and things like that. So this, I was thinking about, OK, uh, a theme for something like that, because I can just get on and sing a few songs and whatever. And, and there's people who do that really, really well. And I don't know if that's me. But I, I can I can I like to think I can tell a story well anyway. So I, I was thinking, what kind of stories can I tell, and what kind of you know kind of format can the night have, or and a through line. And I was thinking that in in my head, going right, maybe I'll sing songs from from stuff I auditioned for, but I didn't get. Mm. And I can tell some of the stories of me useless auditions, and just you know, kind of a bit. The audience can hear stories, uh, you know, from a, a life in showbiz as yeah. such. You know what I mean? I useless mean, you know, I'm, I'm a job and actor. Are some auditions yeah, just yeah. pure useless? Oh, they're cat. I mean, they're they're absolutely terrible. I there's some days I go in and you know you're kind of sitting there going, I I I want to stop now and leave. And I, I wish. And what is like, that? Is it just a vibe that you get there? Or what yeah, is you okay. know, you know straight away. Yeah, especially with a song. Uh, and like I say, I, I haven't done musicals so long. Uh, I haven't really sang in auditions in a long time. I think nowadays I'd have more. 
I don't know, gumption, is that the word? Mm. Where I, I, I'd actually kind of go in the middle of a song and go, do you know what, this isn't going well. I'm not going to waste my time or your time. And I'd walk. Okay. But back in the day, of course, you know, I, like my whole life depended on every audition I did. Because mm. I used to, I, I, I was at the beginning living in a, in a dingy flat with Andrew Holden in East London eating beans and turkey ham because we couldn't afford anything else you know and and yeah you know again you'll hear about this on the, on the 17th of june but it's like that so, so so that's the thing these auditions meant the world to me like mm. you know and when when they didn't go well you'd be devastated coming out but then you're kind of going of course they didn't go well you walked into a jesus christ superstar audition singing patricia the stripper what the hell <laughs> were you thinking yeah so that yeah i'll expound on that but well, uh, yeah this is what the we're sort of stories about. that i need to hear and you're calling it yeah. from Ballybricken to Bridgerton does that mean that you're taking some like songs that you grew up with in Washford as well or, or are they going to be all musical numbers well, no, it's 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 all musical theatre, but mm. actually that's what I grew up with in Waterford okay. as well. So I, I mean, so the way I'm working it, then the first act is all about like stuff in Waterford and, mm. and stories be from before I went to London, and then after that, uh, the second act will be will be when I'm in London, you know. And it's not, you know, I kind of if if it was just a litany of uh, these, you know, I I I'd hate to come across as bitter. So I, it's not exactly you know all kind of things where I had terrible auditions yeah. and this was the song and how dare they and look at me now. It's <laughs> not that so there's a couple of songs from musicals that you know I'd love to have done maybe mm. you know what I mean um, and just didn't get the chance for whatever reason and then there's there is a couple of songs certainly in the second act uh, which are songs I kind of, I'm glad I sung because they're okay. really things that that changed my career because you know that that moment things changed for me yeah what, what and is there's your also party piece stories. Go on. have you a party oh, piece oh my party piece Oh God! Uh, again, I don't like it's so long. I used to sing. Do you know what? I, and I'm not going to sing it on the night. Um, I used to sing. Oh, what a beautiful morning! Oh, anytime, lovely. anyone. At a sing song. You know, we used to have these sing songs in the monster after uh-huh. a show and all this kind of stuff. And I remember it was just one where you know everyone in the world knows the all the words, so you're never on your own singing it. Yes. And it's a, it, there's a bit of crack to it. So I I used to the be lads kind of get up and Ray Collins get up, Dave Flynn get up and they'd be amazing singers and they'd be able to kind of you know you shut up and listen to him for a while and that'd be grand I'd get up then and you know I, I, I'm i a decent singer I train singing and stuff but I, I I was thinking God we, we've had that now let's have a bit of crack so I used to get I used to get up and sing oh what a beautiful morning oh, yeah and you'd be, th- you'd be you'd be singing this at three in the morning though like that's yeah, the thing that's what you need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like my bad yeah. attempt at the nearly what 14 verses of American Pie I think by verse three, oh, people are like, oh, get wow. her off, get her off the stage. But <laughs> <laughs> well, well, once you pop, you can't stop. Like, oh, totally. You know and when all you, people know is the chorus. Like yeah. And you're like, what's yeah. the next line? <laughs> anyway, let's talk oh. more about songs and stories from um, Ballybrick to Bridgerton, because you are um, doing it to raise funds for a charity that's very close to your heart, aren't you? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The Solace Centre, the Solace Cancer Support Centre there in Waterford. And it's like, you know, they're they're an amazing organisation and the support they give to people who are ill and, and their families as well, which for me is a big thing. Mm. Uh, you know, I have my own journey with cancer. I, I, I'm I a cancer survivor myself. I, I, I survived Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, God, I'm I'm nearly 15 years in remission wow. now, uh, which is mad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To even think of that as well. And like it, it, they're 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 a brilliant brilliant organization what they provide the information they provide i think of myself back when i was sick and like they, they, and they were there but like we didn't have the internet like it is now mm-hmm. and 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 even their facilities are all online you know what i mean the information and everything and uh, they've just provided so much kind of you know help 
and care uh, and solace, you know, to kind of to, to people at, at a very difficult time. You know when it's happening, not just the, the the patients themselves, but also also to their families and stuff like that. So when I was doing this concert, I was kind of going, well, I I'd really like it to be for something. You know what I mean? This is not a gig for me. I I, I earn me few quid get you know going in front of the camera, or getting up on stage and 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 that. And I was thinking. If anything, my residency at the Theatre Isle is about giving back to Waterford. If if I can get anything, give anything back, that was really important to me. And this is another way of giving back then. So that like, you know, it's it's for something. And also then for something that, that means a lot to me, that I have that I have a tie with as well, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's on this coming Friday, June 17th at the Theatre Royal. For people, I'm always saying to people, oh my God, the Theatre Royal is such a beautiful venue. For people who haven't been there, how would you explain the Theatre Royal. Even when I go to gigs and see things, the person on stage always says this is such a phenomenal venue. It's stunning. And like it's one of the oldest working theatres in the country mm. like that, that, that has been a theatre all the way through. And like it's it, it, like it's an old Victorian theatre and there's n- nothing really like it anymore uh, of its size. Certainly there's kind of some big ones in Dublin that mm. might be a little bit similar. But it's like a mini Gaiety almost, isn't it? Yeah, exactly that. But you see, the great thing is the Gaiety's a bit of a barn to be honest. I, mm. You know, I remember kind of being up there and I played the Olympia a lot with the uh, Aikino and they're barns like they're big houses. But the, the gorgeous thing about the Theatre Isle is it's, it, it, there's an intimacy. So when you go and see a gig and when you go and see uh, plays and musicals in there, you know, like doing musicals with 20, 30 people on stage, everyone's going, oh, it's a small stage. But actually, do you know what? I love it. Mm. I, I think it's really intimate and, and, and the kind of rapport you can have with the audience is, is second to none in there for the type of theatre it is. Yeah, it's and it's, it, for me, it's Mecca. You know, this is where I started <laughs> and I love going there and I've been loving kind of doing bits there over the past year as part of the, part of the residency. And I'll be honest with you now, Orla, I'm, I'm, I'm cacking it. Like, I'm really nervous about this. Yeah, because you'll um, know a lot of people you know, in the audience, won't you? Oh, don't. I mean, that's that's the, I'm, I'm worried who I'll offend, you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> but look, it's all, the, the way I see it in my head, it's like, you know, kind of uh, sitting at the bar in the Munster, or as was Bill Martin's years and years ago. And we used to have them chats and we used to tell them stories mm. and we used to sing those songs. And it's kind of, it's it, it's that, it's kind of a celebration of that. And, and, and also then to kind of, yeah, I, I'll tell a couple of stories maybe I wouldn't really either tell online or necessarily tell in the pub. Nothing salacious, but mm. just stuff then I'd be saying, look, you know, what's said in the theatre stays in the theatre because um, there's there's certain things, you know, you might not like to talk about necessarily out loud, but that's a little carrot for people to come okay. and, and, and say, there you go. I know you didn't know that, but okay. it's interesting, isn't it? Great you know, stuff. and, and it, it's it's an interesting life. Yeah, it sounds great. Well, it's back where it began for Jamie Beamish 30 years ago. It's called Song and stories from Ballybricken to Bridgerton at the Theatre Royal this coming Friday uh, June 17th you can book tickets at theatreroyal.ie and proceeds go to the Sullis Cancer Support Centre and of course the Sullis Cancer Support Centre is for the whole of the South East Jamie thank you so much for joining me this morning oh, Thanks a million that's, that's great Arne. thanks for having me on appreciate it The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103 Well, from Waterford to North Wexford from the stage to film my next guest is a Wexford-based filmmaker who has created a short documentary looking at the ups and downs of being an only child It's called Single Sucklers It's funded by the Arts Link Bursary from County Wexford Arts Department It's been shown at the Gorey School of Arts Periphery Space Cinema this Friday Terence White joins me on the Sunday Grill this morning with more details You're very welcome to the Sunday Grill Terence. Thanks Orla. And you're Wexford based, you're not a Wexford man though are you not Terence? 
That's right. I'm from Cork City originally. Ah, very I've good. been around this neck of the woods for about 20 years now at this stage. OK, good stuff. From one arty city to a very arty town in Wexford Town as well. Um, tell us about your concept for this. It's a really interesting documentary. I think in Ireland in particular, we seem to be intrigued by only children. What motivated you to delve into this subject? Well, yes. Yeah, so, so it's called Single Sucklers. And it was a friend of mine who told me that that was a nickname in uh, kind of the rural southeast for only children okay. and I thought that's such a great name for a documentary I'll have to make it so then actually finding um, suitable contributors was a bit challenging because Ireland I suppose isn't too well known for only children mm. um, and I was looking predominantly for people you know uh, living in a rural kind of um, context um, so that's how it started now so it took place over a few years the interviews there's four people interviewed there's uh, Matty Bean who's from uh, was from a farm near Kyle and Erin originally okay. um, and loneliness was one of the real issues for him as a child. Um, he moved to Gory later in life, so it's not as as much of a factor now. Okay. Um, so it was that kind of living that, in a rural area as an uh, without and having no siblings. That's it. And he said, really, life as a child, it was him and his parents, you okay. know, and friends didn't live nearby, and it was a real challenge for him. Um, and then, in, in contrast to that, Thelma Rath, who grew up in Gory, when you know, she was saying there was a field of cows next to her house, so it was almost, you know, rural or on the edge of the town. She had plenty of children to play with around the town, so didn't feel it as a negative thing at all during her childhood. Okay. Um, it was only really kind of later in life when she had hard decisions to make um, in the documentary she tells about her father getting dementia and it was only her to decide mm. about a nursing home, things like that, you know, that I think people, you know, the rest of people with, with, with siblings wouldn't realise the, the burden that's there when you are an only mm. child. So a few disadvantages, um, any advantages that came from the contributors? Yeah, um, um, independence um, was okay. one, a strong one. So there's two other contributors. One is Shannon Rice, who was 16 when, when I uh, shot the documentary from Taman. And she was saying that it gave her major kind of independence, um, you know, in terms of making her own decisions and not having to consult with siblings and that kind of thing. Um, and she really likes, she, she, she was also studying for exams and she said the thought of having noisy siblings around the place would kind of, <laughs> drive her crazy you know um, and then uh, Cahar Duggan who was the youngest um, participant he was seven when I recorded uh, his his section and he said he was delighted not to have siblings because they'd really annoy him <laughs> you know <laughs> but the downside for him was that his mam gives out to him and no one else oh, you know so him, it's, it's, it's just pros and cons so did you see differences in the ages then? I know there was differences in where people were from and the people they could interact with because of where they lived but where the age that the people were at when you talk to them make a difference? It definitely, definitely. I think, you know, you know, the um, when people were younger, it mightn't have been such an issue unless they were rural based and, mm. you know, that loneliness was a factor. But certainly as life goes on, and I suppose we all need our support structures, particularly when people's parents pass on and it's just yourself. And normally you might have siblings to rely on or to fall back on or to share decisions with. And I think that was one of the main ones that I hadn't really appreciated myself when I started to make the piece. Mm -hmm. And how did you feel making the piece? Did you, you know, I think sometimes only children get a bad rap. And, you know, I'm sure there is more advantages than independence. But did you find it, yeah. it, 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 there were, you know, like positive aspects to it throughout? Or did you learn anything from it? Um, I did, uh, you know, unless you experience it yourself, I suppose you don't know mm. what it's like, um, you know. So, um, yeah, it's, it's um, yeah, I, the, I suppose the, 
the main thing for me, I suppose, was just really the getting, you know, it was a privilege for me, really, I suppose, just to get their personal stories and to get the personal kind of insights, because there's definitely challenges, mm. you know, being an only, uh, an only child. I know, as you were saying, people can get a bad rap in mm. terms of being selfish and things like that. And, and that I'm definitely sure came up in the documentary. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure there's lots of different advantages of being one of 10, for example, as well, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I Telma again, who's um, um, based in Gori, she married um, a man um, who had, I think, 15 siblings okay. or came from a family wow. of 15. So she said it was just she couldn't believe it when she went to his house. It was said like she was like, it was like being in school, the mayhem of it, yeah. you know, to go from being an only child to marrying somebody with that You'd many need siblings. It was just a complete, to to. complete yeah. shock. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and did you enjoy making the film going to all corners? Oh, I said it was, it was absolutely it was it was great. Great, as I said, you know, I'm delighted um, to have gotten the funding from uh, County Wexford Art Department, and you know, it's, it's it really is a privilege, as I said, for people to share their stories, and there, you know, there's plenty of moments of of humour as well as as kind of pathos in the piece. Um, which I think makes the whole thing a kind of a balanced kind of picture, really, of, of being an only child. Yes, and I think it's a really interesting concept, not just because in Wexford, as you said, even though I'm from Wexford and I've never heard the term single suckler, but the fact that, you know, there's a lot more only children in the world by choice as well um, these days. So it's interesting to see people from different age groups and how they, uh, with their experience of being the only child in a household. Absolutely, absolutely. It's um yeah, it's it's rarer than I realised definitely mm. in 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 Ireland. Um, um, but as you say, in other countries, uh, in China, and obviously in places like that, where it's kind of there was an enforced policy, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but when it's you know, and and then other people, you know, they only have one child, and mm. it's, it isn't necessarily by choice either. Mm, you know, exactly. so it's, it's definitely a good idea not to judge people on, on any level. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, it's in the Periphery Space Cinema in Gorey School of Art uh, this coming Friday, June 17th at 7.30pm. Are you hoping to show it anywhere else as well, Terence? Um, I'll be submitting it to um, to festivals um, and, you know, and we will take it from there then at that point. And if people do want to come, it's uh, it's a fantastic uh, 4K cinema, oh, it's as fa- you know, in, in, do, in yes. Gorey School of Art. But but the spacing is quite limited. So if people want to come, they need to email by emailing, uh, need to book a seat by emailing uh, Phil Booking one at gmail.com. Okay, so filmbooking1 at gmail.com and there is uh, exhibitions going on in Gory School of Art at the moment as well so you could pop in to Terence's movie and then go down to the peri- other periphery space um, to check out what's going on there as well. That is this coming Friday, that's June 17th at 7.30pm. It's called Single Sucklers and that email again Terence is filmbooking1 at gmail.com. Perfect, best of luck with Single Sucklers and hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks a million. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Across the southeast, this is Beat 102-103 on a Sunday morning. And of course, you're listening to The Sunday Grill. And it's a year three of Kilkenny Art Office's Knitted Together Art Project. It started in 2020 in the midst of the pandemic and has seen 230 volunteers knit and crochet at home during lockdowns each year. Nearly 4,000 crochet and knit squares were collected and from each of the annual projects they resulted in over 100 blankets being stitched together and sold to raise charity, raise money even for charity. This is the first knitted together that can take place in person and it should be something that would be a real community bonding experience. Mary Butler from the Arts Office in Kilkenny County Council is on the phone to tell us more. Hi Mary, you're very welcome back to the Sunday Grill. Hi, Orla. It's lovely to be back. Thanks a million. And it's lovely <laughs> to hear me. that you are in person. And I have to say, um, I was a bit, oh, I'm so left-handed when it comes to knitting. But knitting is one of those life skills that we should all really take up, shouldn't we? 
Well, it is. And I suppose, I know this is called Knitting Together because it's very much about us knitting together as a community, but there's a huge focus on knitting and crochet. So um, it is It is a really important skill. And in actual fact, that's kind of what inspired, I suppose, the intergenerational aspect of the project that we've introduced this year. So obviously, we're progressing and developing the project year on year. So we actually partnered with the Kenny Education Centre this year to run workshops and classes with teachers to teach them to knit and crochet so in turn, they can teach the children in the schools to knit and crochet, um, which is lovely, which has loads of really important benefits for the young people. Aside from learning how to make things, it's really good for their manual dexterity and fine motor skills. Um, and also it's a lovely way for them to engage with, with their parents and with their grandparents as well. So there's loads of benefits to it aside from ending up with beautiful things to look at. It's mm-hmm. always about, for us, about the process, you know what I mean, which is really good. And how are you bringing to, be, to get people together this year since you can do that? Well, we started um, what we're calling Maker Meetup Hubs in March and they're going really, really well. We actually started each one as a kind of six-week block. Um, most of them, most of the ones that have run their six-week course are continuing on for a minimum of another six weeks because they've been so successful. And we've actually had organisations contact us saying they want to set one up as well. So we've seven across the county at the moment. So our two most recent um, meet-up sessions started last Thursday and Friday. So one is in McDonough Junction in Starbucks um, on a Thursday morning and the other one is in the Volunteer Centre in Kenny and that's on a Friday afternoon. And we have five others across the county. So there's one in Castlecomer, Ferrybank, Gregnamana, the Book and Coffee Shop in the city centre. And we have one which isn't open to the public, but it's it's run by the SOS, which is an organisation that works with people with special needs and okay. intellectual disabilities. Great. People can still go to the ones that are open to the public, can they, even if they Ab- missed one? Okay. Absolutely, yes, absolutely they can. And most of the people in those, it's really nice. You know, we don't... They're for people who can already knit and crochet, essentially, um, and we don't dictate what they do there at all, but of their own volition, they've all come together to make collaborative blankets, which is really lovely, actually, oh, as well. So people are actually, yeah, they're all doing squares of crochet, so we will literally have, you know, a sort of a, a book and coffee shop um, blanket. We'll have a great Nirvana blanket. And in actual fact, I have about 15 people here in, in our own department. Well, I'm here with the community department, and we all knit and cro- we crochet together on a Thursday lunchtime. Most people are beginners, and we decided we're going to do a John's Green House. So I just thought it would be really nice to get the county council staff involved this year for the first time as well, since okay. we're all back in the office. You know, so you're going to crochet squares yourselves and put them all together as a blanket, then? Yes. Yeah, so it's a mixture again, as with all of the years. Anybody who has the skills, interest. Um, an ability to knit or crochet their own blanket, please do. But not to exclude anybody, if you're a beginner or an intermediate, you can do, or you just don't have the time, you can do one square, you can do 20 squares. So when we get individual squares in here, then we bring in artists in to actually stitch those together for blankets. So is it mostly women that are getting involved with Knitted Together, Mary? It has been to date, and of course, again, another development this year was to get men involved. So we did, you know, we did go and visit them, and we encouraged them to take up their knee, their knitting needles and their crochet hooks, but they weren't really buying into it. So <laughs> we, as with all good community projects, we worked with them as to where they felt they could best get involved. So between us, we designed um, 
their part of the project is they are making beautiful dresser stools. Okay. Um, so we have four men's sheds involved. They're making these beautiful uh, stools. Um, one of the men's sheds already has 20 stools made. Wow. And then to combine those two aspects of the project, we are going to, as well as the blankets, we're going to make sort of rectangular cushions that can sit on top of the stools. But added to that, we're also actually going to up- upholster some of the cushions. So we're going to put pro- you know, foam tops on them, calico, and crochet a top for the cushion as well. So it's, you know, I wanted to do something with them where what the women are doing and what the men are doing, not that we're trying to separate them, mm. but it's just the way it went, but where they could complement each other's skills. And that is, yeah, it's come together really, really well. Okay, lovely. Um, in 2020, the blankets went to South Africa. Is that right? Yes. In 2021, then, you know, when the real impact of the pandemic was coming through, um, lots of charities, obviously all the charity shops were closed, but also charities weren't in a position to run fundraisers. So all of the blankets were donated to charity shops in Kilkenny, which raised money for the respective charities. Okay, brilliant. It's such a lovely thing to do. And as you said, especially after we've come out of a few lockdowns, like there's people who may be feeling, you know, still a little alone and feel that they're not part of a community. And this is a lovely way to do it and, you know, get knitting a few squares in the meantime. Lots of locations around Kilkenny. Probably the best place to go, is it, Mary, would be the Kilkenny County Council website and the Knitted Together Project section there in your news section. And you'll see a photo of one of the blankets that was created in 2021 and details on how you can get in contact and how you can get involved. It is Knitted Together with Kilkenny County Council. Mary Butler, thanks a million for joining me this morning. You're very welcome. Thanks again. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It's Beat 102-103 on this Sunday morning and the big idea is a free educational programme that's teaching the theory and practice of creativity and problem solving to Irish teenagers. It was founded by Carla Woman, Kim Mackenzie Doyle. Um, it's only in its second year and it's been rolled out to 2000 transition year youth reach and applied Leaving Cert students. And it was trialled this year with students with autism also. Fiona is the head, or Fiona Byrne even, is the head of education with the big idea. And she joins me this morning to talk about it and how you could become a programme mentor and in doing so teach teens to solve societal problems with a little bit of creativity and you're very welcome Fiona. Oh thank you so much for having me and a fabulous introduction there Orla. And you do so much I talked to Kim I think it was this time last year when, when everything was online and this year you really get to see what the teenagers are doing in person don't you? We do, we do. And we actually filmed in quite a few schools um, over the course of the programme. So it was amazing just to be in classrooms and actually see this actually come to life and see that it's landing with students and especially landing with like the vast majority of students. It's not just students who maybe may have seen themselves as like typically creative. It's landing with students who have never done anything like this before. And we were just amazed that they're they're kind of diving right in, I suppose, and getting getting their hands dirty from the start. Okay, so explain the big idea. Like when does it usually start in the school year? When do you approach the schools or when do the schools approach you? Yeah, perfect. Um, well, school, schools are actually signed up at the moment. Our waiting list opened in March and it's we've, we've got a huge volume of interest from schools across the country. Um, so this year we had 2000 students, as in we've just finished in May um, and it ran from January to May. We had 2000 students across 22 counties and our aim next year is to have 4000 students across every county nationally. So that's that's the big the big aim. Um, and 
basically it starts in January, January to February, a flexible start date uh, because we we know that schools are busy places and there's lots of things going on. So we just want to meet teachers where they are and kind of give the teachers the autonomy to kind of design the programme mm. to suit the kids in front of them effectively. So next year will be a 12 week programme. Um, designed maybe a double lesson per week and the teachers as I said can decide you know if, if the students have transition year work experience or they've trips out they can there's wiggle room within the program to stretch out the, those 12 weeks and there's also flexible modules designed within that as well okay. um, so we're super conscious of like schools and kind of how schools operate. Okay so you go in with a few ideas that students can start with will you give us an example of some of them from this year? Yeah, yeah. So each year we have five briefs and the, the briefs um, are decided around October, November, and they're co-created with students. So what we'll do is we'll have a student questionnaire and then we'll have a focus group with students. And we're just really trying to identify what the stressors are for young people, because we want this programme and the big idea effectively to be a platform, I suppose, an opportunity for students to have their voice and to kind of come up with ideas based on problems which resonate with them or which are pertinent to them and their context. So this year we had five briefs. We had briefs in the areas of healthcare, um, climate change, equality, um, I should know all these, <laughs> equality, um, healthcare and uh, mental health. Okay. So Basically, the students can decide to respond to whichever brief they feel they kind of have an inkling towards okay. or they'd like to kind of investigate further. Now, was there a clear, not winner, but, you know, a leader this year and the ones that students were mostly um, interested in? Mental health, really, okay. and climate change. They yeah. were the two that kind of came to the fore, really. And that's just that's just resonance of what's happening in society at yeah. large, I think. Totally. Um, it's a 16 week programme and you had a number of winners from the southeast this year and especially in that climate change section. Tell us a little bit about those winners. We did, we did. So we had um, category winners in each of the five sections. So we had uh, Boris Vocational School in Carlo won the climate change product category um, with a super idea. It was a portable wind turbine okay. um, and they were looking at kind of the area of Atria in Africa and it was a flat pack product which um, the users could obviously assemble themselves and it was used to generate power. Um, so a really, really kind of um, defined research area and very, very thorough kind of thinking and really innovative approach to um, empowering people to generate their own power. So that was that blew the judges away. Yeah, so that wow. was a, nat a, yeah, a national winner in the climate change category. And then we also had our main overall winner, which is unbelievable. Our national winner was from St. Leo's in Carlo. Okay. And we had four girls on the winning team. And it was just a super, super creative idea. Um, so basically it's called Trash Scan and it's a QR code that's placed on products, all products, everything from packaging to clothing um, to electronic products. And what happens is the consumer scans the QR code and it gives them information through an app on recycling ideas for the product. It gives them information maybe in relation to clothes, for example, on the, how to limit fast fashion. So maybe if you have something else in your wardrobe that mm -hmm. might be better to buy instead of this. Um, it also looks at like linking in recycling centres locally. So if you scan something, it'll tell you how to dispose of that. So just very, very intuitive about mm. like the circular economy and the whole kind of life cycle of a product rather than just saying, OK, I'll just recycle it and then that's it. They kind of looked idea. beyond that. Really, really clever idea. And I think for us, like the accelerator for the overall 
football um, big idea category winner, which is St. Leo's, is that they, during the summer, were organising a workshop where they go and work with a leading design agency um, to see how they can bring their idea to the next step effectively. Brilliant. So kind of like an accelerator next step. So let's talk about the mentors. How does that work? And in, say, Leo's um, case, in Leo's in Carlo, what did the mentor do, do during that process? So um, as I said, we have 400 mentors this year working with students, and that was 2,000 students. Um, and the mentors come from a range of industry sectors. So it's not just a pull from the, the typical creative sector. It's from any sector that kind of positions creativity as part of their day to day process. And whether that's anything from, you know, systems thinking or analytical thinking or just even problem solving. So a, a mentor is someone who really values the creative process and the power of creative thinking. So this year, even from the southeast, we had mentors from um, MSD, Unum, Delmac, with Carlo Toolmakers. So we had mentors from like a range of different sectors. There's a few different kind of entry points for mentors to engage, and it depends on the amount of time really they have. We say that the typical time um, time commitment is about six hours, and that's that could be higher or lower, depending on, as I said, how much how much time they have. So what happens is students start off with the research phase of the project and they move into then kind of like general ideation. So they kind of have a general idea of what they want to do. And then midway through the project, we have what's called the pitch phase. So students like the students from um, St. Leo's would have written a 500 word pitch about their project. And this is the first kind of main entry point for mentors. So the mentors are paired up with projects. And typically within an area maybe that they're comfortable within, where possible, try and align the skills of the mentor with the the, the kind of the nature of the brief. Okay. Um, so the mentor then gives feedback to the students about their pitch and gives some ideas maybe about, you know, other research they should explore and maybe things they should follow up with. Or maybe if there's depth in certain areas that might need a little bit more work. And the students get feedback from up to five different mentors. So it's a really, really thorough feedback process. Um, and they're getting they're getting like mentor feedback, I suppose, from people who are established in industry. So the mm. mentor's bio and their kind of company are shared with students so they can go and kind of check them out. And it's kind of increasing that visibility of like the range of industries out there mm. and kind of, the, the you know, the just, I suppose, visibility of career opportunities as well and career pathways. Yeah. I suppose that's the basic um, from a mentor point of view is really just to um, assess a project or kind of feedback in a project at the pitch phase and then at the final stage for judging. It's all evolving and we're open to loads of ideas and mentors are just such a valuable and huge, huge part of the programme. Okay. And if you're uh, interested in becoming a mentor for The Big Idea, how can people get in touch with you? So it's super, super simple. <laughs> so if you go on to The Big Idea, uh, www.bigidea.ie, um, you'll see a section which says just get involved. Uh, as we say, a, bit, a big button saying get involved. And if you click on that, um, there's two sections. One is I'm a brilliant teacher and that's to sign up your school and it's just to register your school as an interest. Uh, the second one is I'm a pro progress company. So if you want to sign up your team and get involved in that way or else there's like I'm an amazing individual. So if there's an individual who'd like to become involved. So it's super easy and um any questions like we're we're all on hand if you're just interested or you want to find out more, um we've a great team behind us. So we're all here to 
to offer help and support. Great, Fiona. Well, that is the bigidea.ie and it really is a a, a great idea that gives students a life skill to empower a generation to change the world. If you'd like to get involved, if you're part of a school and would like to get involved or if you think you would make a good mentor, that website again is thebigidea.ie and Fiona Byrne, the Head of Education at The Big Idea, thanks a million for joining me this morning. Thank you so much. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Beat 102-103, it is Sunday. It is time to talk movies and the fun we got out of a movie called Men. Yeah. Me and Brian over WhatsApp. One of those you had to be there moments are really, who are these gobshites? I don't think, no, I think even if you were there, I think it was just like <laughs> What are you sad, trying to say there? Sad. Hey, how dare was, you? Anyway. Yeah. Men, a Men. confusing name for a movie. Yeah. A horror, in fact, from Alex Garland, the man who brought us The Beach. Ex Machina or Machina. There you go. If you're otherwise inclined. I think he meant Ex Machina. I, I don't know. I think he did. He brings us men, okay? In the aftermath of a personal tragedy, Harper retreats alone to the beautiful English countryside, hoping to find a place to heal. However, someone or something... From the surrounding woods, this is where I'm like, no, nah, this isn't for me, yeah. appears to be stalking her. Now, let's have a listen to Men and then Brian will tell us about the movie that's just bound to terrify me, okay? Men is quite terrifying, to be fair. Is it quite terrifying? Well, men in general are quite Oh, ter- well, yeah. <laughs> no comment. Hello. Hi. Mrs. Marlowe, yes? Harper, yes. Do, come in. The words I have to say It's a beautiful house Will it just be you staying? Excuse me? Mrs. Mother? No You're tormented It feels more like Haunted Yeah. Something happened. My husband went upstairs to our balcony and let himself go. You must wonder why you drove him to it. Why? I didn't drive him to it. They just do it for me with music. Do you know that? Yeah. Uh, this this is your leaving cert honours English question. Are you ready? Oh no. (laughs) Ben is described as a folk horror. Please explain the main characteristics of the folk horror movie genre. Um, presumably, uh, um, the D minus in, now in the countryside. Oh, okay. In because the, they're you get a tick countryside that. folk. Okay. Um, okay. You shouldn't really repeat the word that's in the question. Well, I think. Oh, well, I think. Yeah, that's what I always did in the leaving cert. It's like, <laughs> well, I think it is a folk horror because, and it it's like. Folk. That's like gets that, that gets you a couple of words into the sentence that fills out. So any leaving starts listening. If you repeat, repeat the question no, back, you can fill up advice. some space. No, ignore him now. Yeah, don't, but don't be giving any leaving cert advice now. Um, I really, I don't know why, but I really want to go and see this. Can I just play a clip of something that I thought? Oh, no. If I met a man who had this humour. I'd be like, it's uh, no, I'm leaving this house. It's straight definitely away. Be exactly my humor. Now, oh, it, this is your humor. Okay. Listen to this. Apple from the garden. Yeah, it was delicious. No, 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 mustn't do that. Forbidden fruit. Oh, God, sorry, I, I, I'm I, joking. I, oh. Yeah, I'm yeah no, that's not on my humor. No, I would be totally like, you know what? Take your house. I don't want to stay here for two weeks. You're grand. Yeah, uh, but that's not the worst of it, of course, because it is creepy. You say it, it is. It is. A weird. Do you know how I describe it as a folk horror? To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Uh, no, it is. It's, it's, it's one of the weirdest cinema experiences I've had. And okay. I was just saying it to you there. In a good there. way? Um, I, I don't know if I can even describe on air. Well, obviously I'm not going to tell you the ending. No, but please don't. The ending is definitely something I've never seen on the big screen before. Okay. And I mean, an argument can be made I never want to see again. Okay. Does uh, it scared you so much? It's just, it, it was, it makes you question if the writer and director is okay. Okay. <laughs> it's like, how would you come up with something like that, writer-director okay. Alex Garland? And of course, he's the man who, who did bring us some odd things in the past. Yeah, Ex, Ex Machina. Ex and, Machina. And Annihilation are both yeah. pretty Bizarre. out there, weird mm. movies. So I suppose if he's if he's happy doing it and everyone, if he's being good. But no, this, the, the, the movie itself is, is, is a weird one because... It's it's set. It's actually quite a small cast, and it's one of those COVID movies where it's like a, it's a, co- a small cast. So it's like you understand this thing. Like it, it's one character. Well, Jessie Buckley is the main character. Mm. Whatever she's in, I will go see. Yeah, she's I, great. I think she's phenomenal, especially like the Lost Daughter and stuff. Mm. I thought she was completely underrated in. But uh, Rory Kinnear then is who I love. Is, love him. He's he's kind of every other character. <laughs> A small okay. bit. But you could say that if there's to be a BBC or ITV drama, there's a good chance that Rory Kinnear yeah, is going he, to be the main person kind of popped in up. It. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's kind of that guy so that you're maybe like... Maybe he's ready for this sort of you, role. You plural. expect him to be like standing at the side looking over his left shoulder wearing a trench coat and being like, oh, now we figure out who murdered somebody. Okay, but he's everyone else as he's, well. He's everybody. He's the policeman. He's the priest. He's a, he's a child. It's The child thing is kind of unsettling. It doesn't mm. it doesn't look right. But okay. um, it's it's... It's a movie that like, like it's it's basically the story as Jesse Buckley's character Harper, her husband dies in like circumstances that are revealed throughout the film, and she goes to this house to stay on her own for two weeks, just kind of like escape from the whole thing, right? Okay. And basically, she's kind of haunted by her past, but also it's weird because you never really explained. Like so, the, it's the whole thing is about like the male gaze and everything like that, and I I get that. Mm. But there was, it's kind of like it kind of deviates between, is it supposed to be about the guilt of her husband dying, or is it like a male gaze type thing? Because neither is kind of fleshed out properly. I think. Okay. And it kind of leaves you somewhere in the middle where you're kind of like, is it, maybe it is just one of those things where I I miss some little elements of it or some keys to it. But it was described in the Guardian as a rural retreat into toxic masculinity. Yeah, sure. <laughs> the Guardian be using big words, but... Like, did you go thinking, like, this is how I approach horrors. And I have to say, I never go to yeah. horrors. So this is how I used to approach horrors. I just want to be entertained. I don't want to have to leave it going, what was that about? Yeah. I really enjoyed, the last horror, if you can call it a horror that I saw, was Get Out. Phenomenal movie. And I honestly, it made me think. Yeah. Is this what Alex Garland is trying it to is, do? It's kind of a one to make you think that, mm. like, all men What are kinda... you thinking? All men are kind of the same. Well, honestly, like I get what he's what he means in mm. some in some aspect. There's some aspects of it that are just like so. Like it's the ending. That ending is it just sticks with you. Okay. And not in the best way. Like I was say, saying it there. Like myself and the other people in the screen became friends because we literally at like the, once the movie ended, we were like, "What was that?" Okay. <laughs> and everyone was kind of just looking at each other. like, that, "That's what happened. That that's what happened." Isn't it? It's like, yeah, yeah. And we all kind of like, okay, we saw this together. It's kind of a group thing now. It's like, we, okay, we experienced that together. But like, it just, I feel like it went really hard in on the, like, the toxic masculinity thing. Okay. 
And then... Like two, you know, um, some of the um, uh, reviews that I read were like things like, you know, the... Um, one of the characters who is obviously Rory Kinnear touches her knee in a in a show of toxic max- masculinity, and you know, is it too pushy or you know? No, see, I th- I thought going in because like I love promising young woman. I was here last it. last year and, was and I did find it, it a bit. And I thought it was going to be kind of that kind of a vibe of like, okay, mm. so this is what men don't realize what men are like, and that's why yes. I'm like being called men. I was like, okay, this is like kind of the subtleties of men and like they're all the same kind mm. of thing I was like fair enough like mm. you know I'm set for something like that make me I, think yeah and it, it, it does look like that and there's parts of it where it's like okay I get it but then some parts are like weird and then it kind of becomes a bit culty and you're like is there like is there something I've missed and also there's the story of her husband dying and how he died Do yeah you, like are you intrigued as to how that happened or is it more it's, about her experience in the countryside it's but it's it's tried like Throughout the movie, tried, it, they tried to make her feel guilty for his okay. his death. Okay. And that I feel like the whole thing is about her dealing with the guilt of his death. Right. But it's never the the person like Rory Kinnear isn't her husband. And I the thing that I couldn't get my head around is why Rory Kinnear was the 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 face of the kind of the bad man, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. Okay. Because like her husband looked completely different to him. It's not as if it was like even kind of similar. Right. Um. And it's just like it didn't make sense why. Poor Rory Kinnear is seen as like kind of the yeah. all men are bad type thing. He's represented. The, there is like to be fair, there is a cool, cool thing where like all his characters do look completely different, mm. even though like they're still Rory him. Kinnear. You recognize him, but mm. like they do look different. And they, I do give credit to that. It is pretty cool, but it's 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 definitely a weird one. And there's certain scenarios where you're just like it's the classic horror thing. It's like just leave, mm. just leave. You don't need to be there. You don't feel comfortable here. Mm. Just leave. And yeah. then there's because the, the, there's a whole thing of her friend is like no you've you've earned the right to stay. This is like your dream house to stay at. And you're like, yeah, fair. Like, she shouldn't have to leave but because... But you're freaked. Yeah, you shouldn't have to leave because of this. And like, the, yeah. the police are kind of in on it as mm. well. And it's like this whole thing is like, you shouldn't have to leave. Yeah, maybe this is a bigger question. Maybe I just don't couldn't wrap my whole head around it. Maybe now that I'm saying it, I'm like, oh... Maybe there's more elements to it as well. But, but I just, like I said a few minutes ago, did you go to be entertained and a bit scared? A small bit, yeah. And were you entertained and a bit scared? I was thinking more. And like, and did you want to think more? I don't know. My brain's already <laughs> half capacity. And, and that's that's your whole that's already, gender has yeah. it. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it, was just one, it was just one of those weird movies where you're like, like I'm glad I, I'm glad I saw it. Yeah. But I don't think I'd have to see it again. Okay. You know? Let's black pudding it. Which doesn't sound right, but anyway. Well, men, men pudding, that sounds, no, that no, sounds no. wrong. No. Uh, I'll give it like a five or a oh, six. not great. I didn't, I just, it, I feel like it just wanted to be a lot of things. Yeah, and you know what? I really, I have texted people who know how terrified I get in horrors saying, I think I want to go and see this. But now you're talking about it. I'm like, nah, I don't really. And maybe it was the music because the music is phenomenal in it. Yeah, well, that was that like, that's. Essentially, just one scene with a tunnel. Okay, so the music's not phenomenal. Enough. Uh, yeah, no, that's just one scene where she's essentially singing to herself in a tunnel. Okay, and then there's this like weird guy starts chasing her, and like it reminds me of Tony Collette in Insider. What, what what was that Her-hereditary. called? Hereditary. Hereditary. It reminds me of, like the trailer reminds me of that. Maybe that's why I wasn't a big fan of Hereditary. Mm. Either. Maybe it's just not my vibe. And a hundred percent could be that. A hundred percent. Yeah. 
maybe not everything has maybe to be your vibe. Things, yeah, they should be, but whatever. Anyway, 30% for that review. Well done. Um, okay, I'll yeah, take it. You didn't explain what a full car was at all. So, uh, but five black puddings out of ten for men, reviewed by our brilliant movie reviewer. I don't want to lose him, Brian Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> Saying I'm bad and then be like I'm pretty it does sound very sarcastic or whatever. Thanks a million. <laughs> what? <laughs> the Sunday Grill on Beat 102, 103.